Hey, it's good to be back with you again. We're grateful that you're listening and watching with us. Uh, as we say always, we pray that we are a blessing to you. Uh, want to uh, tell you to turn to Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26. Uh, today, um, as, as you're viewing uh, on Sunday, it will be July the 4th. <clears throat> and I really wanted to pick something that has to do with uh, dependence and independence. And we are celebrating the birth date of our nation and our independence. But today, the challenge is going to be true independence, real independence, is you being dependent on the Lord. That's where you have <clears throat> realistic independence. <clears throat> Let me read this passage to you and then we'll pray. He says, who, who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. He is my portion forever. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be... Uh, Help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your spirit. Uh, if you uh, move me with a word of knowledge to speak to a person or their situation, even though I may not know anything about it, uh, Lord, I, I want to be obedient to speak to that. And then, Lord, uh, you uh, look at all of us, but you look at me differently. I'm a teacher of your word. I'm your preacher. And I know upon me is a greater and a more strict judgment. And I, I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, his name that I preach. <clears throat> Amen. Real independence is meaning that you become dependent on God. Uh, we, we have Psalm 73. Uh, this is... Uh, linked to a uh, choir leader, a music leader, a worship leader. His name is Asaph. And uh, put some things together. I want to even want to thank the scholarship of Andrew Knowles to really enlighten me on a lot of things about Asaph. And uh, I want to be able to put these things together with you. So he led, he led a choir. He led a temple choir. Uh, in this psalm, he's experiencing great jealousy in envy toward the lives of unbelievers. Uh, he sees the, the unfaithful are flourishing, they're prospering, they're comfortable, they're leading very successful lives. There's no shame, there's no punishment for their unfaithfulness. It seems like they just absolutely are getting away with everything. They're healthy, they're wealthy, and they're self-confident. They really uh, propose that they are self-built people. And they use their wealth to get out of their problems. Have you ever known anybody like that? I, I certainly have. They, In other words, any earthly problem that happened, their wealth could buy them out of it without too much consequence. They, uh, the, the unfaithful are greedy and they're corrupt. Uh, they believe strange philosophies. They have a great opinion about everything. Uh, they plot evil instead of good. They attract people. People are very attracted to wealthy folks. You know, those saying it's not what you know, it's who you know. And they think they've made the world, they made the world, they own it, and they control it. And they're living proudly of their achievements. And their wealth can equate to their importance um, as they prosper. And that could happen today. Somebody very wealthy, we, we look at them differently than we look anywhere else. I want to go ahead and tell you there's a great challenge today in the scriptures that we're going to give you that 
your self-worth and your value is not based upon how much land you have, how, how big your house is, how much money you have in the bank and what you have to retire on. That is not a picture of who you are. That is not a picture of your self-worth or your personal value. But Asaph, who is a leader in worship, is having, is having difficulty because he's believing that the, the wealthy and the, and the unfaithful, uh, the unfaithful wealthy are prospering. Unfaithful people are prospering. And uh, it, it just seems futile to even have your faith. Uh, so why is he so jealous is a question we ask. Well, he's devoted his life to God. He's trusting in the Lord. He works hard to live a holy life, but he feels like it's not getting him anywhere. I know, I know you felt that way. I have felt that way before too. Trusting God is for the weak and the dismayed. Let me just go ahead and say you, this is what he's feeling. I'm not saying it's true, but he's feeling like, having faith in God is for losers. It's for people who have, they're, they're hopeless. Um, and he even doesn't like thinking that because he knows that thinking that is a betrayal against his God. So the unfaithful have a life where there's seemingly no problems, no worries, and absolutely no struggles, while the faithful are suffering and struggling, and that becomes his problem. He's jealous and he's envious. So in this Psalm, Asaph comes to the truth, and the truth is that the unfaithful are far from God. It doesn't look like it, but they are. They're far from the Lord. They're on a road to ruin. Doesn't look like it, but they're on a road to ruin. They have their opinions, but the truth that Asaph gets to is they may have their opinions, but God will one day have his say. And I want to remind you of that. Uh, there's, a, there's lots of things our old enemy and our flesh want to look at <clears throat> and become envious or jealous of. And we, uh, we think, man, God doesn't love me. Uh, they don't love God either. Uh, and, and I don't have what they have. It just becomes a life of comparison in that you just need to know that God in his judgment is one day going to have his final say about every single life on the planet, all 7 billion plus whatever we have, uh, is, is going to give an account of their life and stand before our God. There's, there's going to be a time of eternal judgment. We may have our opinions, but I want to remind you that God will one day have his say. Their life may have been great, but there's the judgment is going to be eternal. I, I want you to know that people who are unfaithful and pack everything into their wealth and their prosperity, that when they die, it ends their prosperity. The end of their prosperity is over with. It, the, the unfaithful who think they've created everything themselves, which there's in the gospels, <clears throat> there's lots and lots of parables about that. They believe they've built it themselves. Look what I've done, look what I've done. That they're, they're on a road to ruin. Let, let me show you in the scriptures what I mean by this. This is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 through 12. 
But those who want to be rich fall into a temptation, Paul wrote. It's a trap. And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, now I don't, don't repeat this, as, the, as money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's not what the scripture says. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But you, man of God, run from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight. A, a, a fight of faith, a life of faith is the good fight. Fight the good fight for the faith. Take hold of eternal life in, uh, that you were called to and have made a good confession about in the presence of many witnesses. I just want to tell you that having a good name, this is a, this is a proverb that I handle in my life, a good name is rather to be chosen than precious metals and rubies and jewels and wealth and all that. Uh, listen, you, you be a person. The challenge here is be a person with a continual confession of who your Lord is and who you are in your Lord. Make a good confession about it in the presence of many witnesses, Paul wrote to Timothy. I want you to look at Luke 12, 15. This is the Lord teaching. Uh, they're, they're, they're talking a bit about money here, and here's his answer to them. He then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed, because one's life is not in the abundance of their possessions. Listen, if you're not careful, you'll get to a point where you think you need to grow independently from God. Uh, you'll do it with wealth and prosperity, and you'll do it with possessions, and not only some, but an abundance of them. And, and Jesus said this, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Man, there is a crippling, there's a crippling persona in our nation today, and that is that if you have lots of possessions, lots of money, lots of wealth, big houses, great retirements, all those kind of things, that 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 has elevated your self-worth and your value. I I just I gotta always take you back to the cross. He demonstrated his love for us while we were sinners. Christ died for us. Uh, it says in the book of Romans. And in that, your self-worth is in the picture of Jesus himself and what he came to do for us and to us and with us. That becomes the picture of that. Things were never meant in the kingdom of God to be uh, abundance and possessions are never meant in the kingdom of God to be a, a, an indicator of your self-worth or your value. Real independence as we celebrate today and remember the, the independence of our nation, which I'm grateful for. But real independence is really being dependent on the Lord himself. So how did Asaph get this truth? How did this happen to him? Well, he went to the Lord in prayer. He went to God in prayer and he really allowed God to search him, which some of us do that, some of us are afraid of that but he really allowed the Lord to search him. I want you to notice, um, if, I, if I just recall from this chapter, I think it's verse 17, where he said he entered his sanctuary. 
I want to I want to settle here for just a moment. People are like, "Oh man, I can, uh, I you know, I can I, I can follow Jesus all on my own." Yeah, I, I know that the Lord appeared to Moses out in the desert through a burning bush. I get it. You know, I understand that. I I I know where people have wrestled with the Lord. I know where He has pursued them. I get it. But I want you to know that one of the places that he went to for God to search him was the sanctuary. Now, I know in our place in our campus, I know that God is outside the walls of our building, but I also know he's in there too. I also know that we gather together not to check on each other necessarily, even though that happens and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the that's not the primary purpose. We come to be in his presence, to worship in his presence, to literally leave a world behind, our homes, our addresses, and come together with believers and worship together in his place. Yes, I know his spirit is everywhere, but I also know that it's there too. And I'm gonna tell you this, I didn't want to go to his sanctuary when I was running from the Lord, his call for my life, because every time I went there, God's presence was there and spoke to my heart about where I was and where I needed to be. And I didn't want him to do that anymore. And I tried to remove myself from that place. I just want you to know, you can say, hey, preacher, don't forget he's everywhere. I know he's everywhere, but I also know that he's there. And how do I know that? Scripture says that God inhabits the praise of his people together. We enter into his courts with thanksgiving and we do it with praise. Yes, he's wherever you are, but I know that he is also there. So two things, sorry for that little rant. It's just in there. Good luck with it. I bless it. I hope you do too. Um, And the picture is he went to the Lord in prayer and he even went into his sanctuary, which really became a picture of the presence of God. He discovered through prayer and through being in the presence of God that he was blinded by envy and jealousy. And every one of us can get there. They have this, I don't have it. They have that, I don't have it. And we get to look in through the, the lust of the eyes, we get to look at the lust of the flesh, We get to looking through all those things in the world, but here's what he found out. He goes that God knows me and that I know God. And remember, houses and lands and recognition is not important, but living with a God who knows you and a God that you know is of utmost importance. So um, where did he get this discovery? We get into the Psalm and his discovery as in Psalm 73:25, who do I have in heaven but you? Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. I'm gonna give you a parallel passage that many of you all know, and that it is, uh, it is, it is the 23rd Psalm. It is Psalm 23:1. The Lord is my shepherd. And you know the rest of it, right? I shall not want. That means I'm lacking I'm lacking nothing. And then look where he comes to in verse 26. My flesh and my heart, my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. He is my portion forever. Flesh and heart failing uh, is a picture of the ending of your life. 
we're not just talking about my flesh and my heart failed in the regard to sin. It is a picture of it decaying and no longer functioning. Uh, it is. It is. It really is a picture of the end. But he he says that uh, though my flesh and my heart may fail, God never will. And he goes on to say that God is my strength. He's the strength of my heart. Literally, the word here is rock. The word for strength is rock. That God is the rock of my heart. I mean, what else can you buy? I mean, Julie and I are looking to figure out how we can get rid of stuff, not how we can collect more. It's because just things have just don't mean anything to us anymore whatsoever. Uh, he, he says that God is the rock or the strength of my heart. And then he finishes off by saying, my portion forever. The word portion is a picture of our inheritance that God has in store for us. Simon Peter writes about that extensively in his epistles in the New Testament. But it is our inheritance. And here's what I want. God's portion is all you need. God's portion is all you need. Listen, when you face the end of your life, you need to face it with you need to face it with faith and then fact. And you're going, what does fact mean? What does it mean that uh, He is with me, that I have walked with my God, and that He is my portion? Remember, real independence is dependence on Him. Maturing in the Lord is not living independently of God. Maturing in the Lord is living greater and greater dependence on God. Not separate from and independent, but more dependent on Him. So when we face the end of our life, we face it with faith and with fact that God has an inheritance for us, that I am His and that He is mine. I, I want to finish with 2 Timothy 1.12. I love this. This reminds me of a hymn that I grew up with, but I'll just leave it with the scripture. In 2 Timothy 1.12, and, uh, and he says, and that is why I suffer these things. Uh, listen, this is, Asaph was having a problem because the faithful seem to suffer and the unfaithful seem to prosper. And I just want you to know that in following a life of Jesus, there is, there is suffering. Not everybody's going to applaud you not everybody's going to applaud the truth. They're, going not, they're not going to like you, so the world will hate you. So if you think following Jesus is winning a popularity contest, you've already started off on the wrong foot. Following Christ can bring suffering to our lives, no doubt about it. And so Timothy is receiving the words of Paul. He says, that is why I suffer these things. But listen to this. I am not ashamed because I know the one I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to guard that, to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. When we get to the end of our life, for all the faithful that are listening, we get to the end of our life, I'm going to face death with faith and fact, and that is I have lived with my God. I am going to receive the promise, the inheritance, and the reward that he has given to me and that it's, going to, that, it, that it's absolutely truth. Joshua says the promises of God are true. If you're unfaithful out there, you're not a believer, and everything's on wealth and land and prosperity, and you did it, and look how great you are, the, the greatest days of your prosperity are the days that you're living now. 
When you die, your prosperity ends and eternal judgment begins. For those of us who are faithful in the Lord, uh, it can be a life of suffering, but when I die, it's when my prosperity begins forever and forever and forever. I am not ashamed because I know the one I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Remember, real independence is being dependent on him, not independent of him. I, I pray that you live in dependence on our God. He is a faithful God. We love you and remember what we always say to each other, grace and peace. Make sure you live in both of them.